Welcome to Real-Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate. I'm Charlie Hinderleiter, Director of Government Affairs, and today we're talking about clear title legislation and the challenge of vacancy in the city of St. Louis. With me today is Peter Hoffman, an attorney in St. Louis who focuses on real estate law and economic development. He is the co-chair of the Clear Title Subcommittee of the Vacancy Collaborative. Peter, thanks for joining me today. Happy to be with you. Thanks, Charlie. We want to talk today about two bills that the Missouri legislature is considering in 2021. Senate Bill 495 is sponsored by St. Louis City Democrat Senator Roberts, and House Bill 1274 is sponsored by St. Louis County Republican Representative O'Donnell. And we thank Senator Roberts and Representative O'Donnell for sponsoring that legislation. And these are both bills that are supported by St. Louis Realtors and Missouri Realtors. So, Peter, let's start by taking a step back. What is the Vacancy Collaborative and what's the problem that it's seeking to address in the city of St. Louis? Sure. So the St. Louis Vacancy Collaborative is a coalition of partners who are working to address the very serious issue of vacant and abandoned property in the city of St. Louis. The city of St. Louis is third in the nation uh, in vacant and abandoned property. In the city of St. Louis alone, we have 25,000 vacant parcels of land. This is about nine to 12,000 vacant buildings. Uh, about half of those are publicly owned. So they're owned by some sort of government entity uh, here in St. Louis. Our land bank is called the Land Reutilization Authority or the LRA. So they own about half of those properties. The other half are privately owned. Um, so it's a very significant um, burden on taxpayers, on people who live near these properties. Um, there are um, more and more studies that talk about the health impacts of vacancy on uh, heart rate and well-being. Um, and let's not forget, you know, these vacant properties attract um, uh, all kinds of problems. And, and so it becomes a very expensive problem for the city of St. Louis um, to be able to you know, respond to fire and arson in these properties, um, police response to, to crime happening in vacant and abandoned buildings. And, and so all of these additional services are really um, not paying for themselves because often vacant and abandoned property is not tax revenue producing. So it's a really complicated problem. It involves public sector and private sector really working together and uh, really out of that sort of need for collaboration, the Vacancy Collaborative was born, uh, really just formalized in 2018. Uh, groups like SLACO, the St. Louis um, Association of Community Organizations, had been working in, in, on this issue in, in subcommittees for a few years before that. But really in 2018 is when we said we need to start formalizing a structure uh, to bring these partners together to discuss these sort of interdisciplinary problems and how we might be able to solve them to really try to move the needle on this issue in the city of St. Louis. So the Vacancy Collaborative has now been around for um, almost three years, and there are five different um, working groups of the St. Louis Vacancy Collaborative, and you can find more information on their website at stlvacancy.com. Um, I chair one of those working groups that is focused on uh, kind of a nuanced and technical issue, and that's resolving title issues. Uh, and we're going to talk, I think, a little bit more about that uh, as it relates to the legislation. But in a nutshell, that's what the Vacancy Collaborative is there to do, bring together people to work on these issues um, and help solve the issue of vacancy for the city of St. Louis. 
And Peter, you mentioned LRA, the land bank for the city of St. Louis. Am I right that St. Louis was the first city in the nation that had a land bank? Yeah. So the the municipal land reutilization law was passed in the early 1970s, and it was modeled a little bit on um, uh, Kansas City's uh, tax foreclosure process. Um, land banking and tax foreclosure, or the way the a city or a municipality collects delinquent property taxes, are inextricably linked. Um, and so, what what happens in most of the state of Missouri? is when somebody is delinquent on their property tax after a certain number of years, the debt is offered up. Somebody can buy that debt, foreclose that property privately to take ownership of it. Um, what was happening in the city of St. Louis in the 1970s is there was just a high number of vacant and abandoned property. So the problem really started to, to grow in the 1970s and then through the 80s and 90s because People were leaving the city for the suburbs. Um, you've had, you know, pockets of concentrated poverty that really depressed property values. So a lot of people really started to begin abandoning property and the existing system that is used by most part of, uh, of Missouri and the rest of the state was just not effective at, um, dealing with the volume of vacant and abandoned property that the city was starting to see. So, um, uh, municipal leaders at the time, looked to other systems and, and kind of cobbled together bits and pieces from those different systems to create the municipal land reutilization law. The municipal land reutilization law is a tax collection law. So it really deals with how the city collects delinquent taxes. Um, they essentially foreclose on that amount. They offer that property up for sale on the courthouse steps through uh, five annual sheriff sales. Um, and that property, in theory, uh, you know, has a clean title to that buyer at the end of the day who's purchasing it from the sheriff's sale. When that property is not purchased, um, it goes into the city's land bank or the, the LRA. And that LRA was really created as a holder of last resort. So when these properties were undesirable by the market, after they were offered up, they would go into the LRA, all of the municipal debt would be zeroed out. So all the delinquent taxes, all the fines, all the fees, they would all be zeroed out so that the LRA could then market that property to new developers um, to hopefully renovate the property. So that's kind of the pipeline of the, the Municipal Land Reutilization Act. Um, like I said, there are now today land banks all over the country. Um, and they share a lot of similarities with St. Louis's um, LRA. But that process was really novel at the time in the 1970s. So Peter, that was a really helpful description of the land bank and the process in St. Louis. Tell us more about the title issues and how that impacts the vacancy issue. Sure. So a lot of the vacant and abandoned properties in the city of St. Louis have significant title issues. So we always can see the visual blight, the physical blight, the broken windows, the trash, um, the missing gutters, the tuck pointing that needs to be done. But often there is um, kind of a hidden legal blight or a title blight. And um, this happens as a result of delinquent taxes building up on the property. Um, maybe the owner of that property before they abandoned it had some debt issues. There could be 
fines and fees from board ups. Um, there could be uh, unreleased deeds of trust or mortgages that were never foreclosed on. We saw a lot of that in 2008, where so many banks went out of business, but they never released their deed of trust. So all of these um, little encumbrances on title are what we refer to as as clouds. You know, you have a beautiful sunny day, and you've got these these clouds blocking the sun. Um, so um, those clouds present sometimes a very difficult challenge to moving that property back to market. So if you've got an unreleased mortgage on there, that bank is no longer in business. How are you supposed to ask them to release that? How are you supposed to compensate them uh, for their lien on the property? Let's say someone has passed away um, by operation of Missouri law, that title gets fractured among all their heirs or their children. So all those people now have an interest in, in the property. And this happens all the time with vacant and abandoned property. So having systems in place that can help move property um, through a, a process that gives notice to all of those lien holders, all of those interest holders, all of those little clouds, and say, you need to come forward and either take title to this property or do something with it, or else you're going to, to lose your lien, some process to clear those liens. Because by law, those little clouds sometimes can last 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And um, when you have several of them on top of each other, it almost makes it impossible for that property to ever be sold by a realtor, um, you know, for a bank to make a loan. If you want to fix it up, a bank isn't going to make a loan on a property where they know that there are other liens ahead of them in line, so to speak. So um, these title issues are real. Um, and when it comes to our vacant and abandoned property, uh, they're, they're substantial um, in complexity and then in number as well. Uh, it, it can really be just a huge problem to, to try to resolve those title issues uh, and get a vacant property put back into production. Well, Peter, tell us a story or tell us an example of how that's impacted somebody. Yeah. So uh, just yesterday in our working group, uh, we heard an anecdote uh, where someone had purchased a property from the land bank, from the LRA. Um, they did not purchase title insurance at that time. And uh, because of some of the problems that we're going to talk uh, about trying to fix here in a minute, um, there were some of those old clouds, some of those old liens from banks who had gone out of business that were on that property. That buyer from the LRA didn't know that. Uh, they sort of assumed, I'm buying a property from the LRA. I'm going to have clear uh, and free title. Uh, the same thing happens all the time to, to buyers at the sheriff's sale too. You assume you go down there, you buy a a property and the sheriff signs a deed that, you know, you're going to be able to sell that for full value, or you're going to be able to get a bank loan to fix it up. Well, this individual didn't um, do that due diligence, didn't, didn't look to see if there were any liens on that property and decided to put a significant amount of their own money. I'm talking tens and tens of thousands of dollars. I think, up, I think uh, somebody said it was like a hundred thousand dollars they put into this house. They go and they list it for sale and they find a buyer. Uh, everything's well and good. And then the title work comes back and said, you know, this prop, this property went through the tax foreclosure process. And during that process, it looks like maybe some of these old liens were not extinguished. So this property does not have 
insurable title. Um, so you're going to need to hire an attorney. It's going to take you know several thousand dollars and a couple of years to file what's called a quiet title lawsuit to try to fix all of those title issues so that that person can realize the really the full value of their investment. So um, it was just a, a really timely reminder of um, how pernicious these problems are and how important it is that we try to resolve them. So we're setting people up to succeed. When you go down and you buy a property at the tax auction, or you're buying a property from the city's land bank or LRA, that you have title that you can get a loan on, that you can sell for full value, and you don't have to be kind of surprised by these title clouds that still remain after these processes. So that sounds like that impacts a lot of folks. It impacts a buyer. It impacts a seller. It probably impacts a couple of realtors that were involved in that. It impacts a bank that wasn't able to make a loan. Um, it impacts the city because that wasn't a property that was able to move and probably had a happy new homeowner that would have liked to have moved in. So, I mean, it sounds like these issues really impact a lot of different folks and, and certainly including our members. Absolutely. They create kind of, um, you know, a tale of two cities. And it might be no surprise that the highest number of vacant and abandoned properties are situated in the city's north side, which are predominantly African-American neighborhoods. And when you have properties without clear title, this means there aren't comparable values. So it makes it harder for those existing homeowners to get loans for them, they themselves to sell the full value. So because we have thousands of properties that have gone through this process and the titles aren't always clear, it means that there really are two separate um, and very unequal housing markets when it comes to property uh, in the city of St. Louis and other similar cities. Peter, you're, you're talking about the appraisal gap, and that's certainly something that we're aware of, and, and we're trying to see how we can play a role in reducing that, because that's absolutely an issue, and, and thank you for bringing that up. Okay, so how can we go about addressing some of these title issues? Yeah, so I mentioned that, uh, and we discussed that the city's tax foreclosure law was really novel, this municipal land reutilization law. It had this holder of last resort, the LRA. You know, it really was effective in the early days of clearing all of these title liens and encumbrances from the property so that when people bought those properties, they had clear title. What's kind of happened since the 1970s is there's been really a, a series of case law, uh, mainly federal case law, but some state case law that has said, when you're using these tax foreclosure systems, you need to provide these people who have these encumbrances or these, these clouds on title a certain level of notice. And that's called due process. It's required under the constitution. Whenever you're moving something through a court process or, or when the government is taking action that involves a protected um, important interest, like somebody's right to property, um, there needs to be due process. You need to have an, um, an opportunity to come forward, state your claim, say your piece. And the case law has really evolved since the 1970s about what sort of due process is required. The collector and the sheriff actually do a really fantastic job to try to give everybody notice. Um, but like I said before, these vacant and abandoned properties have really complicated title issues. So you're trying to find heirs, um, multiple heirs, sometimes in different states, different parts of the country when an owner is deceased, or you're trying to um, give notice, due process notice to a bank or to a lien holder that might be out of business. There is a legal process to do that. It can be done. And it's necessary 
to move that property towards insurability. What um, uh, the legislation is meant to do is really just update the law to incorporate these new legal standards that have happened since you know, the 1970s. Um, they uh, involve things like being a little bit more thorough in how you are searching for interest in property, uh, making sure that uh, the collector's title report is the best available title report on the market. That those title reports include information on interest holders for these properties. And then on the other side of it, once the collector has provided notice to everybody, prove it in the record. And so um, the law also asks um, that the collector and the sheriff record certain documents in the legal case file, um, which in Missouri is called um, CaseNet, that shows who got served and how. So that way, when a buyer purchases that property and they go to closing at the LRA, the title company can look at that file and say, okay, before it went to the LRA, it was owned by this owner and lien holder one, two, and three. Um, let's see how the collector and the sheriff gave all of those parties notice. Um, okay, a, a regular mail, they posted on the property, they knocked on the door. All of these uh, new sort of um, items included in this legislation are really designed to help um, both improve due process notice, but then also help prove or show a title company that the collector and the sheriff complied with due process notice. So that way, at the end of the day, whether you're buying a property at the sheriff's sale or you're buying a property uh, from the LRA, the chances are much more uh, uh, likely that you will be able uh, to obtain a title insurance policy, which creates all those benefits we talked about a minute ago. So it sounds like really the key here is preventing problems so that people don't have to go through this more arduous process of trying to get clear title, but rather they're going to have it coming out of this new strengthened process if we can get this legislation passed. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, a lot of the times, as I said, the collector and the sheriff do a really good job of, uh, of, of a really difficult task in providing all these people notice, but they can do a little bit better of a job. And, um, and really when they do this work, make sure that that's available to the public or the title company in the record. So that way, the title company can really make a decision about, you know, whether or not there are clouds that still remain after the process. All right. So at the start, we mentioned House Bill 1274 and Senate Bill 495. Peter, tell us about this legislation that the Missouri General Assembly is currently considering. It does several things, um, and almost all of them relate to just the city of St. Louis's tax foreclosure law. Um, the rest of the state, as I mentioned before, uses different systems of tax collection. Um, so this is legislation really just aimed at um, what's Chapter 92 of the Missouri Revised Statutes. And uh, I already talked a little bit about some of the due process technicalities that we're working to kind of update or, or give a facelift to. Um, and how notice is given, how that's proven. That's really a substantial part of the law. But there are some other um, key provisions that I just want to mention here. Um, uh, one is um, to actually move the tax foreclosure system faster, uh, not for all properties, but just for vacant and abandoned properties. So currently, the collector waits three years for a property to be tax delinquent. So you don't pay your, your taxes the first year, nothing happens. Second year, nothing happens. Third year, after that third year, the collector will sue that parcel 
get a judgment and then take that judgment um, to um, uh, ask the court to allow them to sell the property to satisfy the judgment. That's the tax foreclosure system. Um, three years is a very long time to wait on a vacant and abandoned property. Uh, you know, I mentioned the fire risk, the decay, the calls for service to the city. Um, all of these things worsen with time. And so, because the current process does not require vacant property to be foreclosed sooner, it sits. And while that provides some protection to um, occupied properties, it really hurts the city in that by the time that property comes to auction for somebody to purchase it at the tax sale or goes into the LRA, after three or four years, uh, sometimes closer to five when the whole process is done, that property is much more deteriorated than it would be um, had they foreclosed on it sooner. So the part of the legislation is requiring that the collector only for vacant property foreclose sooner. So move that property to tax sale faster so that um, it has a higher value uh, when it comes up for auction and that the disrepair is not so bad that nobody purchases it and then it goes into the LRA and then they have to figure out a way to stabilize that property and sell it. So that's the really um, that's the other really big component um, to the legislation is is one how do we improve due process notice to enhance insurability and then how do we move this um, vacant property through the tax foreclosure system faster so that we protect that value. And as we mentioned at the start, these are two pieces of legislation that St. Louis Realtors supports because most of this just impacts the city of St. Louis. And Missouri Realtors, who takes the lead on all legislation in Jefferson City, has also voted to support this legislation. Uh, so Sam Licklider and our outstanding Missouri Realtor team down in the Capitol are working on this issue. So, Peter, let's wrap this conversation up. We've gotten in the weeds. We've gotten really technical. So let's bring it back to the broader picture. What are the benefits we're looking for with the passage of this legislation? What are the outcomes we're looking for? Well, we know it's not a silver bullet. So vacancy and abandonment is a complicated issue. And like I said, there are, you know, almost a half dozen different working groups and sub working groups within the vacancy collaborative trying to figure out things like, how do we get financing to rehab these properties? Um, how do we make sure that we prevent vacancy by providing people with adequate home repair resources? So I don't want to, you know, infer that this legislation is going to solve our city's vacancy problem. But when you think about the volume of property, especially vacant property, that goes through the tax foreclosure system every year. Sometimes that's as many as a thousand properties, sometimes more. Um, it's really important that a system that has that level of impact on vacancy is really performing at its highest functionality. And that's what this law would do. It, it's not going to ensure that every property uh, buyer at the tax auction is going to have clean insurable title or every property buyer uh, from the LRA is going to have clean and insurable title you know, a lien could pop up sometime after the judgment and before the sale. But by tightening up this process, tightening up the notice requirements, we think a substantial amount more of these vacant properties will have clean title. Um, they're more shovel-ready projects. They're less costly. Buyers won't need to hire a lawyer and wait a year for their quiet title to resolve. And that's really getting us back to why the law was drafted in implemented in the first place. This system is meant to clear liens from property so that they can be quickly redeveloped. And uh, because the case law has shifted 
we need to make sure that the legislation corrects for those case law shifts so that the original intent of the statute is met. And that's what this legislation would do. Fantastic. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Charlie. I'm Danielle Finley, and this is Realtor Party Talk, a brief segment with members like you discussing advocacy issues and the importance of the Realtor Political Action Committee, or RPAC. Joining me today is James Deering with RE Source LLC. James, thank you for being with us. Glad to. I want to ask you a question about RPAC for our listeners today. Why do you invest as an RPAC major investor? I invest because I believe it's very important. I've shared advocacy before, and I think what RPAC does is fund our voice. Also, it's fun. It's fun to participate. Um, We have a good group of other contributors, and just that interaction and networking has proved to be very uh, rewarding for me. I also like the recognition. You get a little uh, pin. You get your name on the board. You're, like, very important. It also has other benefits, including being able to monetize that funding and that contribution to auction and other events that our creative staff puts on and to have fun with. It's also important to have that influence and a voice, particularly to support candidates that believe in the causes that uh, we stand for and to support realtor party issues. So that's why I invest. Thank you, James. You just listened to Realtor Party Talk. Thank you for listening to Real Time Real Estate, a podcast brought to you by St. Louis Realtors. Join us next time for more on real estate news, trends, and industry insights. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. St. Louis Realtors, your voice for real estate.